Welcome to the Connect Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect the disconnected to a growing relationship with God. You can connect with God, and we can help. Merry Christmas, Connect. You know, if it's your first time joining us, I want to extend a special welcome to you. Thanks for tuning in. We'd love for you to join us in person at one of our worship services. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sundays at the Lone Tree Rec Center, and you are always welcome. Now, let's be honest, church at a rec center is probably not what you pictured. It's certainly not what I would picture if I was going to a gathering, but you know what? I get it because when I was in eighth grade, my parents dragged me to a new church in town that met in a movie theater. Not what I pictured either. And I say dragged because as a 13-year-old, it was not where I wanted to be. But I didn't have a choice, so there I sat week after week. And week after week, I actually experienced something that ended up changing my life and inspires even why I would want to share what I'm about to share with you today. Now, I don't know if your experience has anything been like mine, but much of life is not what we pictured. I know growing up, I was an athlete. I played basketball and baseball, soccer, ran cross country, played tennis, and I dreamed of being a professional athlete one day. Now, I didn't want to be a professional athlete just to ride the bench, like that's lame. No, I pictured hitting the game-winning shot, the crowd going wild. And then it happened. I got an offer to play tennis in college. I was gonna get an athletic scholarship. I was a collegiate athlete. A significant step towards that dream. When I showed up to practice that first day in college, I noticed something. As I looked around, there were no stands for fans to watch from. And that actually ended up in my favor because you see, over those four years, all I did was lose. You could just say that that my D2 tennis career was not what I pictured. We could probably spend a lot of time together sharing stories of things that have happened in our lives that are not what we pictured, many of which have ended poorly. The job wasn't what we thought. The leader we followed fell. The move didn't solve things. The relationship ended suddenly, not what we pictured. But sometimes, not what we pictured actually turns out better than we could have imagined. That door closed, but this one opened. That relationship ended, but this one started. That opportunity came to a halt, but this one was made possible. Could this Christmas be one of those opportunities for you? It may not be what you pictured, but could it be better than you ever imagined? I'm just gonna put my cards on the table and say, I think this Christmas could definitely be not what you pictured, but better than you imagined, because that was the story of the first Christmas. And it's actually the Christmas story that changed my story. And I believe the Christmas story can change your story too. If you have a Bible with you, I would invite you to grab it and turn with me to Luke chapter two where we're going to look at the first Christmas story together and see how God wants to intersect our story this Christmas. 
If you need a Bible, you can, of course, follow along in our free church app, where there's also a place you can jot down some notes along the way. In this series, The King Has Come, we have been tracking with the plot line that led up to the first Christmas. But we didn't pick it up just days, weeks, or months before the first Christmas. We actually picked it up about a thousand years before the first Christmas because it was around that time when the first Christmas wish of sorts was made. You see, the people of God, the Israelites, they wished for a king. God had led his people as their king, but They wanted to be like all the other nations, so they wished for a human king. As we have found is, you know, God gave them what they wanted to prove what they needed, him. You see, it didn't go well for them when they got the king that they desired. And then that continued for a very long time. You see, this wasn't just a a hard lesson for the Israelites to learn. It was a long lesson for them to learn. And today, we're going to pick up the Christmas story on that first Christmas day because it's here that God grants their Christmas wish in a way that they want and need, but not in a way they expected. As we jump in, let's pray and ask God to speak to us and intersect our story. Lord, we come before you. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word, to learn about the the true reason for Christmas. And we would ask that whether we're familiar with this story or unfamiliar with it, that you would speak to us, that you would intersect our story in a way that's meaningful and life-changing. In Jesus' name, amen. Picking up the story in Luke chapter two, starting in verse one through five. This is how the scene is set. In those days, Caesar, of, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone, everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, before we keep reading, there's a couple of things worth noting here. First being, Joseph and his pregnant fiance Mary, are on their way to Bethlehem. They're, they arrive in Bethlehem, and Mary, Mary is expecting a child. Now, the reason this is important is Joseph is from the, the family line of King David, who we looked at earlier in the series, and Bethlehem is the town of David. You see, what we saw earlier in the series is that that God promised David, the second human king of Israel, that one day his throne would be established, his house would be established, and his line would carry on that lineage of, of leading God's people forever. Luke is very particular about highlighting the fact that Joseph is from the line of David, and he's going to Bethlehem, the town of David, because Luke wants us to know God's about to deliver on this promise that that God made to David a thousand years prior. A promise that had since been prophesied about hundreds and hundreds of times. One such prophecy that we often will read or see on, you know, decorations, etc. at the Christmas time is prophecy that's recorded in Isaiah 9. This is Isaiah 9 verses 6 and 7. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Like a a kid anticipating Christmas throughout the month of December, the Israelites, the people of God, for not just a month, but for many months, many years, a thousand years, they anticipated that one day the Messiah would come, the anointed one of God, and that he would reign for that time and forever. He'd bring peace and freedom to his people. You see, Joseph is from the line of David, and this is no small thing. And second, Mary is pregnant, and this is no small thing. Parents, am I right or am I right? Right now, my wife, Amanda, is pregnant with our third daughter. With our first daughter, Hannah, I could have told you the exact day of her due date, October 26, 2017. We pictured what life as a family of three was going to be like. We were going to cuddle Hannah. She'd sleep like a baby. We'd limit her screen time because we weren't going to be like those parents. She was going to be just perfect. With our second, Chloe, I could have told you that, you know, Amanda was due sometime in March of 2020. We'd cuddle her and, and she'd sleep sometimes. Uh, we'd, we'd limit her screen time. And, you know, they'd watch like a little bit, only when we had to do something that we absolutely had to get done. Hannah and Chloe, oh, they were going to be great sisters. They were going to share their clothes with one another. They're going to play nicely. With our third, I can tell you that the baby's going to arrive sometime this spring. We'll cuddle her when we can. We won't sleep. Our girls, eh, they'll be watching TV, playing a game on a tablet. Because we, we will be bandaging owies, calming the crying, and refereeing fights. Because parenting is not what we pictured. But parents, can we agree that parenting is far better than we ever imagined? There's a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of buildup that goes into having a kid, having a baby. I mean, imagine what Mary must have felt when she found out that she was going to have baby Jesus. Luke records for us how Mary found out. This is in in Luke chapter 1 says, But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel's like, Hey, Mary, I know you're a teenager. I... I know you're not married. I know you haven't slept with anyone yet, but surprise, you're pregnant. Oh, and he's the long expected king, so no pressure. You good? Good. What would you have done if you were Mary? I mean, the anticipation, the buildup of having a baby today is one thing, but to have the long expected king miraculously be born through you, had to have been 
a crazy experience. And, and, and when she gave birth, it was not what she or Joseph or anyone pictured. Back in Luke 2, now in verse 6, it says, While they were there, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Okay, let's get this straight. Mary had the baby while they're in Bethlehem. There was no room for them. So she placed him in a manger, an animal food trough? Wasn't this the long-awaited Messiah, the the much-anticipated king who's going to reign forever? Someone, Someone had to have messed up this. Christmas delivery. Who's going to let Amazon know? The long-expected king was born not in a palace, but placed in a manger. Because the long-expected king came unexpectedly, and he came for the unexpected. Luke continues, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, they had gone into heaven. The the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. This king, uh, this Messiah's arrival arrival had been much anticipated for, for hundreds and hundreds of years, many prophecies. And much of this time, the religious leaders, the religious elite, they would discuss and debate who this Messiah was going to be and what he would do and what it would all look like. Now, it would only be logical to think that when the Messiah came, it would be these religious elite who would first know that the Messiah is here and then they would share the news with God's people. And yet, we see that God sent angels to tell shepherds, not rabbis. Shepherds, Shepherds weren't even accepted in religious settings. They were considered ceremonially unclean under Jewish law. Maybe maybe you can relate to shepherds. Maybe you feel unclean because of something you've done. Maybe you feel unaccepted by the church because of X, Y, or Z. If that's the case, I want to say I'm sorry, because that is not Jesus' heart for you. You see, Jesus came for you. It was the religious rejects, the shepherds who first heard that Jesus came. And later in Jesus' life and ministry, the religious elite, they actually were totally unnerved by this. Uh, The fact that Jesus was all about these religious rejects. Uh, Jesus would eat with sinners and tax collectors and the religious leaders. They would question Jesus and question his disciples for this. And I love how Jesus answered them. Here's here's one of the responses he gave them. Very plainly, Jesus answered them. This is Luke 5. Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you feel sick, unclean, 
unforgivable, rejected. Jesus came for you. And I want you to know that you are welcome at Connect. Because Connect, our church, is a hospital for the sick, not some museum for saints. You are welcome at our table because Jesus sits at the head and he welcomes all. This, this is the gospel. This is the good news. This is why Jesus came. This is the news that the angels herald that first Christmas night. Back in Luke 2, they said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This baby who has been born, who's from the line of David, he's the expected king, the Savior, the anointed one, God Almighty, born as a baby, placed in a manger. Not what anyone pictured but better than anyone imagined because Jesus came for everyone. You see, the point of all this is this. The expected king has come unexpectedly for the unexpected. Now, what do you do when you realize that the expected king, the long expected king has come for you? Well, as you consider your response, Let's take a look to see how the shepherds responded that first Christmas night to see if there's anything we can learn from them. Luke 2, 16 through 20. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Here we see the shepherds model three appropriate responses for us when we realize that the expected king has come for us. And the first is this, see for yourself. The shepherds hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. They were quick to, to seek, to experience this news for themselves. You know, it's one thing to, to hear good news. It's a totally different deal when we experience it for ourselves. Like, it's one thing to, to hear about Disney. The rides, the food, the parade, Magic Kingdom, all the things. But man, things shift when you experience Disney for the first time. The sights, the sounds, the smells. You leave anticipating bringing your kids with you to experience Disney one day. Do, do you want to keep simply hearing about other people's experience with Jesus? Or are you at a, a point where you're ready to come and see, to experience Jesus for yourself? If you want to experience Jesus, if you want to see who he is, there's a couple things you can do. One, read, read the Gospel of Luke. We're reading the Gospel of Luke now, and it's a, it's a biography on Jesus' life and ministry. So if you want to get to know Jesus, read about him. And why not just keep reading where we leave off today? 
Or another thing you could do to, to come and see, to experience Jesus, is you could come to one of our worship services. We design our worship services to help you connect with Jesus, to grow in a relationship with Him, and we'd love to have you. Come the new year, we're kicking off a series called Bullseye. It's all about shooting for what matters most with our life. And Jesus has a lot to say about that, and we're going to learn it together, and we'd love for you to be a part. Now, just know this. When you see Jesus, when you experience Jesus for yourself, you're going to want to do what the shepherds did. And two, share with others. Verses 17 and 18 tell us, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. These guys were so impacted by what they saw, by what they experienced, that they had to tell everyone about it. And I got to wonder, like, did they have all their questions answered? Uh, Of course not. Uh, They're unschooled shepherds. They're religious rejects. They don't have all their questions answered. But what they did know was that if Jesus came for them, he came for everyone. And they wanted to tell everyone about him. Now, may this inspire us, whether we're reading the Bible for the first time by listening, you know, listening to this message, or whether we have a degree in Bible. We, like the shepherds, should be quick to share, excited to share, looking for opportunities to share our experience with Jesus with others. Now, this could look a couple different ways. Maybe you decide you're going to read the Gospel of Luke, but instead of doing it by yourself, One of the things that we say around Connect is following Jesus is better together. So what if you did this? What if you invited a friend to read the Gospel of Luke with you, and then you just talked about it so you could learn and grow together? Or or maybe you haven't come to a worship service in person because uh, you feel bad about walking in alone. I get it. That, That makes sense. How about this? Invite your neighbor to come with you. Then you get to experience the service together. So we're gonna We're going to see for ourselves, And when we see for ourselves, we're going to want to share Jesus with others. But also, one other thing is a proper response, an appropriate response, when we realize that this expected king has come for us. And it's, it's number three, celebrate together. Luke tells us, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Sounds like quite the Christmas party to me. And I love it that it's the, the religious rejects, the outcasts, the marginalized, guys who've been brushed aside by society. They're the ones hooting and hollering, telling the world that the king has come. As we celebrate Christmas this year, let's not just celebrate the, the gift giving of Kris Kringle. Let's celebrate the Christ of Christmas. And what better way to celebrate the birth of Jesus than by having a birthday cake? You know, growing up, one of the things that we would do to be reminded of and to celebrate the fact that Jesus was born is we'd have a birthday cake for Jesus on Christmas. It's a great way for kids to remember the reason for the season. And I would encourage you, check your pantry or or make a quick run to Sprouts or Costco or somewhere and pick up a birthday cake mix, and add a birthday cake for Jesus to your Christmas spread as you celebrate with your friends and family this year. As you consider your response to this news, this good news that Jesus has come, that he's come for the unexpected, that he's come for you, 
I want to encourage you to see for yourself, share with others, and celebrate together. Because this is a great, great response, a great appropriate response, a celebratory response to this good news. Now, I've dropped his name a couple of times already. I couldn't help myself. It was the excitement. You'll have to forgive me. But his parents, Mary and Joseph, they followed the custom of the day. And Luke tells us in verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 21, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he was conceived. He was named Jesus. There's power in a name. Jesus literally means God saves. There is power in the name of Jesus. Jesus loves. Jesus heals. Jesus forgives. Jesus saves. And Scripture tells us that salvation is found in no one else. There is, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. We are saved through Jesus and Jesus alone. Uh, Jesus saved me. I, I, I thought of myself as an athlete. That's who I was. That was my identity. But it was a lost cause. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not an athlete. I, I'm a dearly loved child of God. I am forgiven. I am set free. I am saved all because of Jesus. I, I always tried to figure out, where do I fit? Like, who are my people? And when I came to Jesus and, and experienced a relationship with him, what I found is he accepted me. He invited me to be part of his church, his family, where I found belonging. I have purpose. You see, my closest friends now, they point me to Jesus. They help me grow in my faith. I've been gifted by God to, to do something, to make a difference, just like you have. And what I've found is that I can... I can live my life in such a way to make not just a difference today or tomorrow, but an, a, dif a difference forever, a difference for eternity. I don't have to just try to build my own kingdom. I get to be part of building God's kingdom, and you can too. You see, maybe when you tuned in today, uh, you didn't really know what to expect, but this, this was not what you pictured. I believe that when you turn this thing off, when this message ends, I think that the way you live your life, the way you experience life with Jesus can be far better than you ever imagined. Because the expected king has come unexpectedly for the unexpected. He came for you. He came for me. And scripture tells us that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Jesus has saved me. Will you let him save if you want to receive Jesus, if you want to receive this first Christmas gift, I invite you to pray with me. Right where you are, in your own heart, in your own words, you might choose to say something like this. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. I, I fall short in so many ways. I've tried to identify myself in so many other ways, but I need you to forgive me for where I've fallen short, for where I've sinned. Would you do that? I want to follow you with my life. Would you please come into my heart? Would you change my life and help me to follow you? I believe that you came, that you died, and that you rose again. And I want to follow you with my life. In your name.
Amen. If you just prayed that prayer or something of the like, would you let us know? Because we would love to follow up with you. Our team would love to hear a little bit of your story, encourage you as you start following Jesus, and do whatever we can to help you follow him as he has called us to follow him. Something we say often at Connect is whoever follows Jesus finds life because life is found in him. Merry Christmas.